0: We get it. Making new relationships and strengthening existing ones is not always easy. Sometimes we wonder if we are establishing good friendships in our lives, or even if we're a friend others would want to have in their life. We long for people with which we can share the moments of joy, spend our day with, confide in. We crave authenticity and depth with one another. But how do we even get there? The good news is, the Bible has answers for improving our relationships and being the kind of friend others deserve. We need this, because we're better together. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being a part of this service. And for all of you who are watching online, Thank you so much for being a part of this service with us. Some of you, this is the first time, and you're sort of checking out Sugar Creek and we're so grateful, and I wanna welcome you to this service. And for everyone on all four of our campuses that are joining in today in person, we're so grateful for you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this time. Last, uh, yesterday was a time that the entire country stopped. The entire country yesterday paused to, to honor the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And so much of what was said yesterday and what was sort of uh, honored and and expressed of thanks to yesterday were the men and women who are police officers in 20 years ago and there in New York City and firefighters and the hundreds of them who ran into the buildings when people were running out of the buildings, went into the buildings to rescue as many people as they could, rescue facing danger, going into danger when those those buildings came down, those towers collapsed, they lost their lives. They gave up their lives to rescue others. This is the heart of these men and women and it's not just 20 years ago, it's today. Police officers, men and women, firefighters, (laughs) men and women who protect us. Yesterday and today and tomorrow. We're, there's police officers that are in this building and other buildings and outside the buildings to keep us safe. And we thank God for, for them and for helping us and for making us protected today. Today on all of our campuses we're cel- celebrating Fam Fest it's family festival and uh, there's games and stuff for families and guests and what we're doing is really celebrating the 1 year anniversary of our newest campus of our Richmond Rosenberg campus and all the campuses are doing it let's give it up for Richmond Rosenberg <laughs> and for what God is doing in that campus it is absolutely absolutely amazing This morning, we're beginning a new series on friends, just simply friends. We're better together. Uh, What's happening across the country, and maybe you're reading these articles about so many people that are really struggling today. One of the, the mental illness issues that people are talking about today is this whole sense of isolation. So many people have felt so isolated and so alone and struggling with the issue. And if you think about it, look, we understand it with all the COVID stuff, people working from home, not not going in and being with others and people sort of huddled up in their homes oftentimes and, and social distancing and masks and everything else. How could it be any other 18 months? And so many people are struggling so much with the sense of isolation. One of the great problems that we have is this whole issue of relationships and friendships. So I I wanna talk about this over the next few weeks, how we can deepen the relationships of our life. There was an article that came out a few years ago in the New York Times, and the whole purpose of the article was sort of to give the ultimate definition of friendship bringing all these experts in and and give the the whole ultimate definition of what is a friend. And when I got to the end of this article, and the article's very long, at the end of the article, they said, we've come to the conclusion that there is no ultimate definition to what a friend is, that a friend is, is sort of an individual thing, what it is for you. What does it mean to be a friend in your own life? But one of the guys that they, uh, they quoted in the article is a guy named Dr. Ronald Sharp. I think how cool that could be to have your last name is Sharp. Somebody, yeah, I, I'm Mr. Sharp. I'm Ms. Sharp. It just show I am so intelligent with that last name of Sharp. But Dr. Ronald Sharp made a statement that I thought was profound and listen to what he said. It's not about what somebody can do for you. Friendship is who and what the two of you can become in each other's presence. I think it's profound. That's a profound statement. But it is also so biblical because the Bible actually talks about relationships like this. The Bible talks about the fact that sooner or later, you and I become like those people we build our deepest relationships with. Be careful about those relationships. You need to find individuals you wanna be like because sooner or later you'll become more like that person. That person will become more like you. It's part of what friendship, deep, deep friendship is all about. And notice what else then he said. He said the notion of doing nothing but spending time in each other's company has in a way become a lost art. People are so eager to maximize efficiency of relationships that they have lost touch with what it actually means to be a friend. I I read that several times and I thought to myself, I I think this is me. I think in a whole lot of ways, there's so many demands on my life and, and it's just constant that I have in my own life tried to be as efficient as I know how to be in my life. And sometimes I think it's this in my life with relationships. And maybe it is that I can learn some things. I'm hoping from His Word, God's Word, as we go through the series, and I'm hoping you can too, that together we can learn some things that God has to say to us about the whole issue of relationships. But I want to begin this series on relationships by talking about have, how to have the greatest relationship you could ever have, how to have a relationship with the God of the universe, how to have a friendship with God. And some of you right now are probably chuckling inside you thinking, that's not even possible. I mean, that's ridiculous. You, you can't have a friendship with, with God. And if you're chuckling with that, if you're sort of pushing back on that, well, you're just like every other. Every religion, every single religion in the world says you cannot have a friendship with God. That God is a, such an other. He is so far out there. You can't know him. You can't have a relationship with God. But Christianity says exactly the opposite. And to a degree, so does Judaism. And I say that only because in the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible that we call the Old Testament, there were several individuals who were friends of God. Abraham is called the friend of God, Moses, David, others, but it's just a limited group. But they were friends of God, it's possible. They were friends of God. But then comes along Jesus and Jesus changes Everything. Jesus talks about that every one of us can have a friendship with God. He said, I want you to begin thinking of God as your heavenly father. This was earth shaking, it had never been taught before. I want you to think of God as your heavenly father and everything that is good about a father, everything that is right about a father, that that is the father you have in God that God is your heavenly father, that you have a relationship with him, that you can know him and him know you, and you can actually be a friend of God. Jesus taught this and it changed everything. So I wanna begin this whole time that we have together, I want us to begin with this idea that a friendship with God is actually possible. A few moments ago, we sang a song I am a friend of God. We sang the song and I want you to listen to to what the words of the song were saying. Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me. It's amazing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, you call me friend. Are the words of that song true? Everything in the New Testament, everything that Jesus taught us, everything that was taught by others who followed Christ that wrote parts of the New Testament says yes. And that's what I wanna to talk to you about today. God actually can be your Friend, a growing relationship that is deepening every day. You can have that relationship with God. There was a a modern president, I would tell you his name, but I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna tell you which president it was and I'm gonna tell you why. Because the whole country is so politicized, it's absolutely ludicrous where we have arrived. Can't even talk to each other anymore. It's all about politics. Well, life is not all about politics. But I'm not gonna tell you who the president is because as soon as I tell you, you're, you're gonna say, well, um, I don't care what that guy said or I don't care what that person did. Oh, oh yes, I like that guy. I'm not gonna tell you <laughs> what this guy did but a modern president, did you know what he did during his time in office as president? Several times he, he did this. He actually went to a total stranger's house and spent the evening with that family. A total stranger's house. Never didn't know who they were, uh, didn't know anything about them except what the Secret Service had uncovered about them, but just went in and just had a conversation. And the conversation wasn't about him. It was about them. I just wanna know who you, where you come from, what you're about, what matters in your life, what are you hoping to accomplish in your life? Several times he did this. What happened was the Secret Service would sort of identify a place, a block. How they did it, I don't know. And then they would do a background check on literally every person that lived around that area. Nobody knew that that was happening. They did background checks, are these people safe? And they decided, yes they are, and this one family is the best family. And then someone would contact the family and call him and say, the President of the United States wants to come and spend the evening with you. It's just gonna happen in a few days, but in order for it to take place, you can't tell anybody, you can't tell anybody that he's coming. And no one can be in your house but your immediate family, nobody else. And if, and if you start telling, we'll find out. We'll realize it's happening and we'll abort. We won't come. But if you won't keep this quiet, now after it's over, you can tell anybody that, that you want to. But you can't tell them before he comes. And then he's going to come. And he did. He would come on that particular evening and they would bring the food in. You don't have to worry about the food. I guess they want to make sure nobody was going to poison him or something. I don't know. But brought in the food. And then he would, after they would eat together, he would just, in the living room, just sit and talk. Tell me about you, tell me me about your life, tell me about your family, tell me what you want in life. And he didn't talk about himself, he talked about them. Not gonna tell you who this president was, but I think that was so cool. And what if that happened to you? What if that happened to you? And some of you are thinking, well, if it was the right president, I would, yeah, I would be interested. I think it'd be cool that any president would do it. But what about the creator of the universe who would come and say to you, I wanna be your friend? I wanna know you, I want you to know me, I wanna have a relationship with you. Did you know that is exactly what the Bible is saying in the book of Hosea, Old Testament book of Hosea, chapter six, verse six? This is God speaking and he said, I don't want your sacrifices, I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Can you hear the passion in that verse? And then in the New Testament, in the book of James in chapter four, verse eight, he simply says this, if you'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Pretty simple, isn't it? I don't feel close to God. If you will draw near to God, God will draw near to you. It's exactly how the Bible describes the whole Adam and Eve story. And it says in in Genesis chapter two, and God made Adam and Eve and they walked with him in relationship with him. There was no religion. There were no rituals. There was just a relationship with him. This morning I wanna talk to you about a subject I don't know how to say this, except just throw it out there and hope you understand. I want to talk to you about a subject I am experiencing, a friendship with God. And that's not to say, I'm not trying to act like I'm some big time Christian. I am no more spiritual than you are. But I'm saying to you that I am experiencing a friendship with God that as the years go by is growing. And what I'm saying is is that I sense his presence. What I'm saying to you is that there are times in which I can hear his voice. And no, I'm not hearing voices and you don't have to call for the paddy wagon to come and take me off. No, I'm not going crazy. I'm not saying that I'm hearing voices. But I hear his voice. Not always, there's some times I'm just, what? I don't know. And there are times in which I go through grief and I feel his comfort. In times that I am afraid and that I sense his care and his presence in my life. And I'm saying to you that it's growing in my life. And this is what God intends for every Christian to know. This is what I wanna talk to you about today. You can be a friend with God. So the question that I think we gotta ask is how? How do we begin a friendship with God? How do we do this? It, It doesn't start out that way. There is a separation. That is, that is there and that all of us feel. And the separation comes because of sin, the Bible says, of sin that separates us from God. The Bible talks about what sin is. And I know a lot of people think, well, okay. No, I am not a sinner. I've never murdered anybody. I've never robbed a bank. And so in a lot of people's minds, the word sin means all the big things and no, I've never done any of those. But the Bible describes sin very differently. The Bible says that sin is even a bad attitude. Have you ever had an attitude? And I tell you, people know you in this room and they already know the answer to that question. Ever had an attitude? Have you ever done anything wrong? Have you ever said anything wrong? And the Bible says that a sin is anything we say that's wrong, anything we do that is below the perfection of God, any attitude that we have. And you say, well, good grief, that means everybody's a sinner. And that is exactly what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for everyone is sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. There's no exceptions to that. And the Bible describes every person in sin as lost. It's the term it uses. We were lost. One of the most famous atheists of the 20th century was C.S. Lewis. Didn't believe in God. He was a professor, a, a renowned professor at Oxford University and an atheist, but something happened to him. And not only did he come to a conclusion that there is a God, but he came to the conclusion that Jesus is God's son. He came to the conclusion that the argument in favor of a literal resurrection is far greater than any of the arguments against it. He walked down the trail and he came to a realization. This is actually something that happened. And there is no other explanation for Christianity other than it, that it is, a, it is an historic event in history. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what happened to C.S. Lewis is that his whole life began to change as he began to realize the presence of God the reality of God. And he wrote all these books that are some of the most astounding, thought-provoking books about what it means just to be a normal Christian and and this whole relationship thing with God. And his whole life not only changed himself, but his writings began to change so many other people's lives. There was a, a... statement that he would make over and over again, oftentimes, but it wasn't original with him. He was simply quoting a theologian and and philosopher named Blaise Pascal. And here's the statement he would use. We live with a God-shaped hole in our hearts. And he said it many times. And what does it mean? It means that there is an emptiness. There is a void inside of us that nothing else can fill. And people try to fill it with, with whatever, with, with their career or with drugs or alcohol or pleasure or whatever it is they try to fill it with, their jobs, whatever it is. But no matter how hard you try to fill it with something else, you will always come to the place in which you realize it didn't do it. And the reason is because God made every one of us with this emptiness inside, this need that can only be filled by him. It is what keeps compelling us toward him, what pushes us toward him. God created us to recognize that he is there and we need him and God made the first move toward us. This is what he is saying in Romans chapter six, verse 23. For the wages of sin, we just got through, seeing all of us are sinners, the the wages, the results of sin is death. Don't think of it as a, a physical death, just as a physical death, but think of it about a death inside. There's a death inside, there's an emptiness inside. We're spiritually dead inside. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Circle the word Lord. You'll read it all the time, our Lord. The two words I want you to grab hold of is free gift. He is saying that heaven is a free gift, that eternity is a free gift from God. One of our newest grandchildren, whose nickname is Hero, had a birthday. He's turned seven years old just uh, ten days ago, and he had a birthday he had never had before. I mean, he got all these presents. He was not used to this, and got all these presents from his brothers and sisters, and and his parents, and and Kathy and I took over a bag, a birthday bag. We always have a birthday bag and we have several gifts inside. We don't just have one and we just do all kinds of little things. And, and, and so he, there he was and, and he started emptying the bag. All oh, his eyes would light up and the more he lit up, we lit up. And he just loved it all and he finally got to the end of all the birthday bag. And I'm gonna tell you what he did not find. He didn't find a bill. By the way, all these things cost us this much, so we need this much back from you. He didn't get a bill. Why? Because they were gifts. They were free gifts. You don't have to pay us back. And the Bible says that heaven is a gift. It's not something you earn. It's not, oh, i Good enough, so I'm sure God will let me in. And God says, you can't earn it because you can't ever be good enough. And that is why Jesus came. God sent his son for real to rescue us. Romans 5, verse 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, even while we were still sinners. Jesus came, the Son of God, and he told us things about God we did not know. This is why all of us, this is how Christianity emerged. All these things, this understanding about God that no one had ever heard before, no one had understood about this person, a personal relationship, and he told us and talked to us about God, helped us to understand him in a new way. And he performed these miracles to demonstrate that what he was saying was true. And then he did the ultimate. He died on the cross. Why? To pay the penalty. There's always a penalty for doing wrong. He paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. And then three days later, he arose from the grave. And he paid that price and then he arose from the grave and he offers to us the gift of eternal life. He became our bridge, the bridge between God and us. And this is what? First Timothy chapter two, verse five is saying when he says Jesus Christ is the bridge between God and man. Notice what he says in Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified, made not guilty, that's what the word justified. Since we have been justified through our faith in Christ, we have peace with God. We're not warring with God anymore. We have peace with God through our Lord. There it is again. Circle the word Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ. And then later on in that same chapter, now we can rejoice, verse 11, in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord, circle the word Lord, Jesus Christ, has made us friends. There it is, has made us friends with God. If I were going to summarize Christianity in one word, it would not be religion. It wouldn't be religion, it wouldn't be rules. It wouldn't be rituals, it would be relationship. This is what Jesus brought to us, a relationship with God. So you say, okay, you made the point, But how do you do it? How do you have a relationship with God? And there is one verse, I love it. It's one of my favorite verses because it's so simple, it's so clear. Romans chapter 10 verse nine, and listen to what he says. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, there's the word, the word Lord. That Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. So two things he says. The first thing, how do I come start this relationship with God? You first have to allow Jesus to become Lord of your life. We've seen Lord Jesus Christ, it's everywhere. So what does it mean? The word Lord actually means boss, it means the person in charge. You've been the one, you've been the boss, you've been the one in control of your life and look at so many things that have not turned out right and the direction. You've done your best, you've tried your hardest, I get that, but there is someone, the God of the universe that says I made your life, I can lead you better than you can lead yourself and I'm asking you, would you hand over the throne of your heart to me. Would you let me be Lord, the boss of your life, and begin to follow me? And when we come to the decision, I allow Jesus to become the Lord, the boss of my life. I give you control of my life. Second of all, when we come to commit ourselves to the risen Jesus, that you believe in your heart. He didn't say believe in your mind. Oh, of course I believe in the resurrection. I'm sure that it happened. It makes total sense that it did. No, that's not good enough. It means to believe, not in your mind, but in your heart, to believe to the point that you commit yourself. Commit yourself to Jesus Christ. When you come to the place, I give you control of my life and I believe in my heart That's when it all changes. And that's when the relationship begins. But it's not where it ends. That's the starting point, but it's not the ending point. Then he says, you wanna keep growing in this relationship? Here's how you do it. Make knowing God your greatest priority. When you meet someone, some, some man, some woman, you want this person to be your wife, you want, Uh, this person to be your husband or your fiance. You, you, You begin to prioritize the relationship. You understand this is big time. I've got to make this the most important relationship of my life and you begin to do that. You begin to prioritize the relationship and it means that you spend time with that person like you've spent time with no other person. Dr. Jeffrey Hall, who's a communications professor at the University of Kansas, they did this whole communication uh, test and, and research and study, and he is simply reporting what they discovered. And in at the University of Kansas, they did this study and they came to some conclusions that to move a casual friendship You meet somebody in the hallway at Sugar Creek or somewhere, uh, you meet them at, see them at a store. Oh, hi, how are you to recognize you? We're acquaintances. Yeah, we're friends. Yeah, how are you doing? To move a person from a casual thing, an acquaintance kind of thing to a friend takes between 80 to 100 hours. That's what they concluded at the end of the study. Takes between 80 to 100 hours and to go from a Friend to the best friend takes double the number of hours. It takes between 160 to 200 hours. And it's not just any kind of hours. Here's the statement he makes time spent together is a key predictor of friendship, closeness, as long as it's the right kind of time. Just hanging out together without an agenda, just playing cards or dominoes or going to the movies together or going out to eat together, just spending time with no agenda produces the greatest friendships, just hanging out. And that the more time you spend with someone in that environment, the deeper the relationship Grows. Now, here's what happens with God. The more we do this with God, the more we spend time with God, what happens to us is not only does our relationship with God improve, but then every single thing in our life starts to improve. Our relationship with our spouse begins to improve. Our relationship with people at work begins to improve. How we do our job begins to change and improve. How we spend our money begins to improve. Every aspect of our life improves, and that's what God has in mind. The more you spend, Spend time with God the more all the dots begin to line up they begin to make sense life begins to come together and it was what God intended in the first place everything begins to come into balance the second thing is not only prioritize but the second thing is this, that you slow down and you be quiet before him Psalm 46, verse 10 says it this way Be still and know that I am God. Come and be with me. Slow down your life and come and be with me and know that I am God. Here's what I want to say to you here is the idea. This is why it's called a quiet time to spend time with God. Every time you're reading the Bible, and you're, as you're reading the Bible, you're going through reading a chapter and as you're reading the Bible, imagine that it is God who is saying it to you. That's why we call it God's word, because it actually is God saying it to you. But I mean in your mind, see it this way. I, not just reading. Sometimes what happens is, is that we're just reading the Bible and about halfway through some chapter, we, our eyes start getting heavy. We don't even know what we're reading anymore. You know what I'm saying? Am I being real here? But if this is God talking to you and you are approaching it this way and you're reading it, it's God speaking to you, suddenly it all changes. And if you read the Bible with it, God talking to you, because he is, it's called God's word. All of a sudden you are grasping things you had never grasped before. You're understanding things you never understood before. He actually is saying this to you. And what happens to you over time, here's what happens. As you're reading over time, what happens to you little by little, you are beginning to understand him in a deeper level than you ever did before. Have you ever said, I don't understand God. I don't know why he does what he does. I don't understand when he does what he does and what he's doing. I don't understand, God, I don't understand you. I don't know how many times I've said this to God. And I still do sometimes. I just say that I don't understand this. But what happens to us, the Bible says is that we're reading God's word and we're hearing God say it to us and we're understanding it's coming from, it's the word of God. But we are contextualizing it as though it's the word. We're beginning to understand, wait a minute, this is how God thinks. This is how God acts. He's telling me how he's acting. I'm for the first time actually hearing it. You're explaining to me how you think and what you do and why you do it. And the Bible says it's called catching, understanding the mind of Christ, the mind of God. You're beginning to understand what God is doing, why he's doing it, when he's doing it, and suddenly it is changing everything for you. So slow down and spend some time in God's word on a regular basis and listen to his word and what his word is saying and ask him, God, is there something you are saying in particular to me You don't have to use fancy phrases with God, don't use these and thou's. just talk to him. He's a friend, just talk to him. Here's the last thing, this is what he's trying to do in us. Trust God in the good and not so good times that you experience in your life. The bedrock of any relationship is trust. You know that in your relationship. In your marriage or your deep friendships, you know it's trust. And sometimes you violate the trust. And sometimes the other person violates the trust. And you gotta go back to each other and confess and ask for forgiveness and start doing right things because you understand trust is the bedrock of this relationship. It can't go past can't go any further, any deeper without trust. And you know that. And the same is true with God. Trust is the bedrock of this relationship with him. Two passages of scripture that have come to mean the world to me, I think about them all the time as I'm going through things that I don't understand. And here, here's what they are, Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's just talking about trusting at a time in which you don't understand, at a time in which it doesn't make any sense. First Peter chapter five, verse six and seven, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in the right time. He has a right time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What I've come to understand about God is that he doesn't spare me. He doesn't spare me or you all the time from hurt and pain because you and I grow the most in hurt and pain. And he knows we have to go through those. There is a limit to it and he knows where the limit is and that's where he spares us. But during that time of hurt and pain, he is growing us, he's deepening us, and he is saying to us, would you trust me? Even though it doesn't make sense, would you trust me? Because the bedrock of this relationship is you learning how to trust me. Now, put it all together and we're done, it's this. There was a story in Jesus's life in which he approached a woman who was at a well drawing water out. And this is why it's called the story of the woman in the well at the well. And that encounter that Jesus had with this woman in such kindness in, in such genuine tenderness to her, he still confronted her about her life. And she tried to deflect in every way, but he kept coming back. And he said to her, you can have living water. Living water is a relationship with God. It starts with coming to give your heart to Christ, but it doesn't end there. It is growing deeper in the relationship. And if you're just, okay, I got, I got my fire insurance. I, got, I know Jesus as my savior, but then that's it. I'm not doing any more. Okay, that's where you're gonna stop. But the living water is the growing relationship, the deepening of a friendship that you, you can have, you can have with God. Today. It, maybe you're watching online and, and uh, this may be the first time or you've been back many times, but you wanna start a relationship with God. I wanna ask you, go to the Next Step Center. There's a virtual Next Step Center, but who, wherever you are and you're listening, on any in-person, on any campus, at Sugarland or any campus, there is a physical Next Step Center. We call it Next Step Center because whatever your next step is, coming to know Christ, could somebody help me do this? Go to the Next Step Center. I'd like to join the church. Go to the Next Step Center. I'd like to find a small group to be a part of. Go to the Next Step Center. I wanna know what my next step is, because I don't know. Go to the Next Step Center. And In just a moment, I wanna pray for you, and then I'm gonna invite you. Go to the Next Step Center. Those of you online, even the virtual Next Step Center, you'll talk to a real person, and we'll help you take the next step. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word and the friendship. God, we, we want to grow in relationships. What really matters in life other than relationships? And we want to grow in them, but the first one, with you. Even if we had never had an open mind to it today, we've come to understand a truth. You want a relationship with us and you can have, we can have a relationship with you. And God, we ask, would you help us to take the first step or the next step? Move in our hearts today, online, in person. Help us take the next step towards you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.